It's series 14 of our media cast. Stay tuned for the last 10 minutes where we overview our current, future and past series. This one is on Euro 2024 qualifying. We're looking at Group C, Italy, England, Ukraine, North Macedonia and Malta. Here we go. It's the International Soccer Preview by Soccer Files Canada at Series 14. I'm Kevin. And I'm Connor. And today we are looking at Group uh, C for Euro 2024 qualifying. This group includes Italy, England, Ukraine, North Macedonia, and Malta. Right. So we usually give some information about the media cast at this point, but we're going to save it uh, for the end. So if you want some information about us or the previous series or the upcoming series, um, uh, stay tuned until the end. Uh, meanwhile, let's get on with it here. Yeah, so this series features a deep dive into the history of EuroCup qualifying for each of the teams, and we'll cover the usual information. Yeah, let's look at the three sections that we'll cover in this media cast. So part one, we'll introduce the teams in the group. And then part two, we'll do an in-depth team-by-team overview. Uh, this series features a deep dive into the Euro Cup qualifying history. And part three will be a summary and comparison of the teams. And we're going to end with a discussion of the prospects of each team and our predictions. All right, well, before we begin, tell me something that will get me into this group. What's the hook? The hook? Revenge. Revenge. That's, yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, I won't elaborate on it here, but maybe we'll take it up at the end. All right, well, let's jump into it. Okay, uh, let's go through the uh, teams in the group and uh, a bit of a description of where they are and how many people they have. Yeah, so starting with Italy, uh, nicknamed the Azuri. Uh, Italy has a population of 59 million people, um, and it's a boot-shaped country in southern Europe, uh, which juts out into the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. All right, next is uh, England. England, the three lions. England's population is 56.5 million, so just a shade under Italy's. Um, and it's part of the UK. Um, it actually makes up just over half of the UK's area. Um, and it occupies the southeastern portion of the island of Great Britain in the North Atlantic. All right. Well, next we have uh, Ukraine. Ukraine. Their nickname is uh, Zabirna, the national team, uh, or else the Blue and Yellows. Uh, they have a population of 43.5 million. Um, and Ukraine is a large country in Eastern Europe, uh, sitting above the Black Sea. And it's actually the largest country entirely contained within Europe. Oh, interesting. Okay, our fourth team is uh, North Macedonia. North Macedonia, their nickname is Rasovi or the Lynxes. Um, they have a population of 2.1 million people. And North Macedonia is a small landlocked country in southeastern Europe, uh, north of Greece and south of Serbia. And it was uh, formerly part of uh, Yugoslavia. Right. And finally, we have uh, Malta. Malta, uh, they're known as the Knights of St. John. Um, they have a population of just over half a million people. Uh, and Malta is a tiny set of islands in the central Mediterranean, uh, south of Sicily and directly east of Tunisia. Oh, okay. Interesting. 
Okay, uh, well, you've given uh, the populations individually there, but let's uh, put it all together and compare them directly. Sure, so Italy and England are very close in terms of population, 59 million people for Italy and 56 and a half million for England. Uh, Ukraine is also a large country with 43 and a half million people. Um, and then the next two countries are much smaller, North Macedonia, 2.1 million. And even that is four times the population of Malta, which has a little over half a million people. Right. Okay. Revenge. Let's begin with uh, Italy, and we'll uh, we're moving into section two here. So a history of the uh, country. So we're going to do uh, an overview of their participation and achievements first. And um, uh, let's begin. Italy uh, didn't enter the first World Cup in 1930 or the first Euro Cup in 1960. However, their participation has been consistent since. Uh, in until 2008, they had qualified for every World Cup except the 1958 edition. Uh, they con their consistency was destroyed in recent times with failed campaigns in both 2018 and 2022. So they have won four World Cups in all, including the second and the third. Uh, those early cups were tainted with the interference of Mussolini, especially the 1934 cup, which they hosted. Uh, they also won the title in 1982 and 2006, uh, both of those uh, titles occurring amidst uh, betting scandals in their league. So their recent slump is long and severe. Uh, Italy has won only one World Cup match since their 2006 title win. That was a statistic you pointed out to me, Connor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in a previous series. Yeah. Uh, their Euro Cup is much less impressive. Surprisingly, they only qualified three out of eight times between 1964 and 1992, and two of those were as host. Uh, however, when they did qualify, they did well, winning in 1968. Uh, again, this one involves some divine intervention in the form of a coin toss and uh, finishing in the top four in 1980 and 1988. They qualified consistently from 1996, the year the tournament expanded to 16 teams, and after two second-place finishes uh, from that time, uh, they won their second title in 2016. Uh, sorry, that should be 2020. All right, let's go to a World Cup uh, overview. So do you want to take us through that one? Sure. So in addition to their four World Cup titles, uh, Italy have come in second place twice in 1970 and 1994, thus reaching the World Cup final six times. They have reached the semifinals eight times. Italy experienced a dry spell from 1950 to 1966, knocked out at the group stage four times out of five, and then failing to qualify in 1958. And recent times actually rival that. Uh, 2010 saw a last place finish in their group behind New Zealand, and that was followed by another group stage exit in 2014. The horror of not qualifying for the Cup in 2018 was compounded when they failed again in 2022. There is something of a pattern in that all four of their titles came in tournament stage in Europe, while many of their weak performances, especially in recent times, have come outside of Europe. All right. 
Well, let's uh, overview the World Cup, uh, uh, sorry, the Euro Cup next. And the Euro Cup was a four-team tournament from 1960 to 1976 and was thus pretty difficult to reach. Uh, only in 1968 did they do so. The host was chosen from among the final four qualifiers, so it gave them no advantage in reaching the Cup, but it did benefit them there in the finals. Uh, they took advantage and uh, 1968 became their first title win. And they qualified for half the tournaments after it expanded to eight teams in 1980. And after it became 16 teams in 1996, they never failed to qualify. Their best result in the period was a second place finish in, two, in the year 2000. Uh, from 2008, they have passed the group stage every time, taking second again in 2012, and then winning their second title in 2020. Uh, ironically, that was between their two non-qualifications for the World Cup. All right, now we get to our deep dive, uh, the um, uh, Euro qualifying history. So um, do you want to start us off there, Connor? Of course. Uh, so Italy did not enter the inaugural edition in 1960. In the knockout-style qualification of 1964, they passed the first round of three, but were bested by USSR in the second. 1968 saw a switch to a group-style qualification, and they were imperious, suffering only a tie over the six games and finishing far ahead in first place. Since the tournament was only four teams, it required a further playoff round, which they won over Bulgaria. The host was chosen from among the four qualifiers, and Italy held and won the tournament. Right, and while this brought to an end a long dry period in their World Cup play, uh, they failed to reach the next two Euro Cups, despite once again going undefeated through the group stage in 1972, they were bested by Belgium in the playoff. And then 1976 saw them fall at the group stage, finishing in third place behind Netherlands and Poland, uh, although they were just a point out of first place. Pre-selected as host in 1980, they qualified automatically. But 1984 was a terrible campaign uh, where they won only their last game against Cyprus to finish fourth in a five-team group. 1988 saw a return to form and they finished first ahead of Sweden to take the only qualifying spot. All right. Well, in 1992, uh, their only loss was to Norway. Uh, but too many draws saw the USSR finish in first ahead to take the only spot. And then in 1996, the Cup expanded to 16 teams and the table afforded direct qualification for the top two spots. Uh, that was fortunate for Italy because Croatia, in their first tournament as an independent nation, uh, bested them to finish first. Uh, nevertheless, Italy would qualify for every Cup thereafter. 2000 was a tight campaign, just one point separating them, Denmark, and Switzerland in the final table. Two ties with Belarus had threatened to spoil their campaign, uh, but they came out on top. 2004 was more convincing, and they again finished in first, four points ahead of Wales, uh, the only team to beat them. Yeah, a poor start in 2008. Uh, saw them draw at home with Lithuania and then lose in France. Uh, they were ultimately bested by France, but their consistency winning uh, all other games saw them finish in first regardless. In 2012, they finished 10 points clear of second place. 
uh, second place Estonia there, um, suffering only two road draws in the 16 group. 2016 was also solid, uh, tying Croatia home and away in a quirky pair of games. In the first meeting, they exchanged goals at 11 and 15 minutes. The second leg was almost the same, with the host scoring at 11 minutes again, and this time the visitor equalizing at 36 minutes. Uh, the Italian scorer, uh, earning the first goal of his international career of 25 caps in the first game, was also the scorer in the second. Uh, despite the two ties, consistency once again saw them through in first, having given up only uh, one tie over the other eight games. All right, and of course they went on to win that cup. And we're going to take a closer look at the uh, two recent cups here, so beginning with the Euro 2020, and uh, how did qualifying go in that one? Good, um, and just a correction, they didn't end up winning in 2016. Oh, yeah, I don't know what's what's wrong with my head. I have it in my head. Thanks. Okay, this is the one that they won. Yes, 2020. Um, and it started with a commanding qualification, uh, actually winning all games to finish a distant first in their qualifying group ahead of Finland, Greece, uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina, Armenia, and Liechtenstein, uh, with a goal record of 37-4 and 4 against. Wow. Um, at the tournament, there was an equally commanding group stage, winning all three games over Turkey, Switzerland, and uh, with their B team, uh, Wales, uh, to finish first in their group. There, they beat Austria in extra time, then Belgium in the quarterfinals before beating Spain and then England, both on penalties, to win their second Euro title, uh, having won their first as host in 1968. Right, and that final was at uh, Wembley, wasn't it? It was. So this is our first chance to say revenge because <laughs> uh, England will meet them here. That's right. Uh, England will be looking. I, I think that really will be on their minds uh, in this campaign. Let's take a look at their World Cup 2022 uh, campaign. So Italy tied uh, group winner Switzerland twice, but they also tied at home to Bulgaria and in Northern Ireland. So they finished second in the qualifying group. That brought them to a playoff stage and in the semi-final, uh, they looked to win on a penalty at 90 minutes, but missed it, only to see North Macedonia win on an injury time goal. Revenge! <laughs> Revenge, they'll meet North Macedonia here. Um, so that upset caused them to be absent from a second World Cup in a row. Well, that's got to be very real to them, hey, to get a bit of revenge uh, over that loss. Yeah, they were completely dominant out in that game, out shooting them. I think they had over 30 shots on tar uh, 30 attempts at goal, but could not break through. Wow. Well, the last thing they participated in as the, uh, well, at least the last, um, uh, yeah, was the 2022-23 uh, UEFA Nations League. How did they do there? Uh, Italy were in a really tough group with Germany, England, and then also Hungary. Um, but Italy won it. Um, they had uh, three wins, two draws, and just a single loss, uh, a 5-2 loss uh, in Germany. Um, but they uh, uh, tied England away and then beat England 1-0, uh, um, England who were relegated from that group. So uh, revenge will be on England's mind for, for another reason. Yeah, I was just going to say that's a bit uh, humiliating for England to be... Uh to be demoted to uh, League B there. So they will definitely be looking for some payback there, I would guess. Yeah, and of course, Italy as the group winners will will compete in the four-team uh, final 
uh, for the uh, uh, League A Nations League. Right, and that's in June 2023, right? That's right. Okay, great. Well, let's take a, a quick overview of their players. So with the exception of 38-year-old uh, Giorgio Cialini, uh, most of the big names that won the 2020 Euro Cup remain. A few of them are hitting their 30s, most notably defender uh, Leonardo Bonucci, who's 35. But a number of the stars were actually young, and so they remain in their prime here. And that includes uh, goalkeeper Donnarumma and uh, forward Federico Chiesa, for example. Uh, a few are on display on the international teams, um, including a bit of an odd relationship with Canada's Toronto FC, uh, you may know that a bit more intimately than me. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I'll let you comment on that. But most of them are still in Italy with uh, their top teams, the top teams in Italy. Also, uh, manager Roberto Mancini retains his position despite their failure to qualify for the recent World Cup. Yeah, tell me a little bit about the Toronto members. Yeah, they have had, um, again, not a lot of Italy internationals play outside Europe, but there have been... Um, a couple with Toronto FC, um, Sebastian Giovinco was uh, formerly, um, and then currently they have um, Lorenzo Insigni and uh, Federico Bernadeschi, um, who are both, uh, you know, made their name in Italy and have had uh, pretty good careers. So, um, yeah, playing in Toronto is a bit of a pipeline, I guess, from, from Italy to Toronto that way. Yeah, I remember Giovinco had a bit of trouble getting onto the team, partly because he was with Toronto. Do you think that's going to be the case with the, the guys you mentioned? It might be. I, I do think, um, I mean, they weren't perceived as being on, Giovinco wasn't perceived as being on a top club, but he was a bit on the fringes anyway. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of Italy, and we move on to uh, take a look at England, beginning with their... Uh, participation and achievements. So uh, England is the oldest soccer country, but actually not a senior team in the uh, World Cup. Uh, the game was invented in England, and what is considered the first international match was played between England and Scotland in 1872. Uh, before 1950, they had a dispute as FIFA was setting up in 1928, and they refused to join the World Cup in those pre-war years playing instead with the home nations teams uh, in the British uh, home championship. After reconciling with FIFA in 1946, they participated in every World Cup since 1950. In the Euro competition, they also didn't participate in the first edition in 1960, but they have participated consistently since. Uh, though seen as a dominant power due to their history, their league and their strong qualifying record, especially in recent times, uh, they have only won one major competition, and that was the World Cup in 1966 when they hosted it. They have never won the Euro Cup, and second place in 2020 is their best result there, uh, with third place finishes in 1968, along with the semi-final finish when they hosted in 1996. All right, let's take a look at an overview of their World Cup. So as uh, as you mentioned, England did not participate in World Cup play before uh, the Second World War. Uh, they consistently qualified from 1950 uh, through 1966 when they won it uh, until 1970. In 1974, they failed to qualify and shocked even further by failing in 1978 also. That's an well, interesting parallel to uh, Italy here, hey? 
Yeah, that's right, the two non-qualifications. Uh, England also failed to qualify in 1994. Uh, similarly, they failed to pass the group stage three times, uh, most famously in a shocking loss to USA in their first World Cup in 1950, and then again in 1958, and then it was uh, 2014 uh, that made it a third time. Otherwise, they've reached the quarterfinals more than half the time, uh, though fourth place in 1990 um, is their second best result. Right, and do we have any revenge in that 2014 group stage exit? Because Italy was in that group. It, they were, but no revenge, as both Italy and England failed to qualify from that group. All right, well, our theme doesn't carry through there. But uh, we continue on with the Euro Cup overview. And uh, their Euro Cup record is actually weaker than their World Cup record. They qualified only once over their first four entries when the tournament consisted of four teams. Uh, that successful qualification was in 1968, and they finished third. And um, When the Cup expanded to eight teams in 1980, they reached three of the four editions, but were knocked out at the group stage every time. The Cup expanded to 16 teams in 1996, and they hosted the first edition of the expanded Cup. Uh, they reached the semifinals there, and there was no third-place match, so... Um, we can consider it like a third-place finish. Uh, they fell at the group stage in 2004 and didn't reach the Cup in 2008. But otherwise, uh, they have passed the group stage uh, every time since uh, 1996, apart from those two. Uh, that included three times in a row from 2012, culminating in their best result in 2020, a second-place finish. Okay, let's go on to the deep dive of uh, Euro Cup qualifying. Take it away. So England, along with West Germany, Italy, and several smaller teams, uh, did not participate in the first Euro Cup in 1960. They were ousted quickly in the first of three rounds in 1964, uh, bested by France, who had just finished uh, fourth in the first cup. From 1968, qualification became a group stage followed by a playoff to narrow the field to four teams. Though bested by Scotland in the group stage, uh, they came first uh, and also won both legs of the playoffs to reach the 1968 Cup. Okay, sorry, I was a little slow with the graphics there. Okay, well, they wouldn't reach it again, uh, however, until 1980, uh, making the 1970 World Cup the only tournament they reached in that decade. And uh, 1972 uh, was a good qualification run uh, at the group stage, uh, giving up points only with a tie, uh, uh, a tie at home to Switzerland. The first place finish brought them to a playoff with West Germany. Uh, the, the two had shared uh, world drama in recent years, England winning the World Cup final over West Germany on a question of a goal in 1966, and West Germany knocking them out of the 1970 World Cup in extra time of the quarterfinal. In this meeting, Germany won the battle too, uh, winning 3-1 in England on two late goals and holding England then to a goalless draw uh, in Germany. Uh, exciting qualification there, but uh, England didn't make it. Uh, 1976 was a battle, exchanging equally with Czechoslovakia and Portugal and finished in second place uh, in between them. So second place, not a, an advancing position there. The Cup expanded to eight teams in 1980, and England reached it with a dominant campaign. 
Uh, a tie in Ireland, the only points dropped to finish six point clear of first. Uh, Denmark finishing bottom of the five team group. Mm. 1984, however, saw them bested by Denmark, who won the group, uh, a home draw with Greece costing England the qualification spot. Uh, they came back from that with a strong campaign similar to 1980, suffering only a draw in Turkey uh, to finish top of the table in 1988. Right. Uh, well, 1992 saw them finish uh, uh, in first place ahead of Ireland and Poland, uh, just two points separating the top three there. And uh, 1996, they didn't need any qualification because they were the hosts of the newly expanded uh, uh, the newly expanded cup of 16 teams. So we move on to 2000, which was uh, pretty unconvincing. It began with a loss in Sweden, but too many ties left them in second place, actually fully nine points behind the Swedes. Uh, it nevertheless got them to a playoff with Scotland, and the two exchanged away wins, but England went through on goal difference. All right, despite a home draw with Macedonia in 2004, it was a strong campaign. Uh, nevertheless, it came down to the last game in Turkey. A goalless draw there was enough for England to finish one point ahead of the Turks in first. 2008 also saw them tying Macedonia, and this time it cost dearly. Uh, revenge! Revenge. Uh, really, uh, losses to Russia and Croatia in the last two games uh, did the damage. Uh, but that they were only one point behind second place meant that two points lost to Macedonia would have landed them in second. Yeah, which was an automatic uh, qualifying spot there. Uh, 2012 saw them tying uh, second place Ma uh, Montenegro twice and third place Switzerland at home uh, for a comfortable first place finish there. And then 2016 was a perfect campaign uh, in an e group, um, winning all games, uh, Switzerland finishing uh, second this time. All right, well, we will go uh, for a closer look at the Euro 2020 campaign. So, um, oh, it looks like I didn't actually put up the games, but maybe you can talk us through them there, Connor. Yeah, so uh, England uh, stormed through an, an easy qualifying group. Uh, they actually scored 37 goals over their 10 games and dropped points uh, only in an away loss to Czech Republic. Uh, Kosovo, Bulgaria and Montenegro were the other teams. Uh, in the tournament, England played almost all games at home at Wembley Stadium in London, uh, except the quarter-final match, which was played in Rome. Uh, they beat Croatia and Czech Republic in single-goal games and went scoreless with Scotland to finish first in the group. They beat Germany and then Ukraine, and then in the semifinals, uh, Denmark in extra time. In the final, they lost to Italy on penalties, uh, young and inexperienced players missing their last three shots. Yeah, that's right. That was a bit baffling. Uh, yeah, penalties just seem to get the better of England, don't they? Yeah, time after time. Right. Uh, well, let's take a look at their World Cup, uh, the, their most recent big campaign. And uh, do you want to talk us through that one? Yeah, so it was another solid qualification campaign, uh, tying only uh, in Poland and then at home to Hungary and finishing first in the qualifying groups, uh, six points ahead of second place Poland. Um, at the tournament, an exciting win over Iran uh, was followed by a fearsomely dull scoreless draw with the USA. That was uh, 90 minutes I'll never get back. 
Uh, it was a comfortable win over Wales that earned them first place in the group stage. Um, and then after beating Senegal, they lost to France in the quarterfinals, uh, gifted a chance to equalize at 84 minutes uh, with a penalty shot, but uh, Harry Kane uh, shot over the bar. Yeah, there we go. Penalties getting the better of them again. Uh, you were coming in and out a bit there, so I don't know if it uh, came across clearly that the round of 16 win there was over Senegal. Right. Okay, well, let's take a look at the 2022 UEFA Nations League campaign, and that uh, that's a bit of a shocker. Uh, do you want to tell us about it? Yeah. Um, England failed to win any of their six games um, in League A, um, they started with a, an away loss to Hungary and actually lost to Hungary 4 nothing at home in the reverse fixture. Um, and then after that, they uh, tied Germany twice and then it was a win and a or a loss and a draw with Italy. So they finished with just three points, uh, four back of Germany and are relegated to League B. Wow. Well, they have a pretty interesting uh, history with Hungary. I can't remember exactly how it went, but I think it was in the 50s when... Uh, Hungary was kind of the considered the strongest team in the world and uh, England went to play them and I think they got demolished by Hungary I think Hungary have, uh, have always gotten the better of England yeah interesting yeah uh, anyway that uh, I think we talked about that in the World Cup series but uh, we'll stay on topic here and finish with uh, players for England so uh, England hasn't suffered any retirements and even their veteran players like Harry Kane and Kieran Trippier have a tournament or two left in them. Uh, almost all of the players play in Britain, and it seems that players run the danger of falling off the radar uh, if they play abroad. Uh, that's kind of like what we were talking about with Italy and Toronto, perhaps. Mm -hmm. uh, some of Italy's, uh, sorry, some of England's young stars uh, like Bukayo Sacco and Phil Foden already seem well established on the squad so uh, they have many years ahead of them um england on the whole has a good runway ahead in terms of the squad yeah like you said very few players retiring out of the squad um and a very promising young core so i think the future looks bright for for england yeah all right well let's move on to our third team and take a look at their participation and achievements first so it's not widely known that the Ukraine did have a team uh, semi-independent of the USSR from 1925 to 1935, uh, though there is a record of a game in 1928 and a couple of others besides, they're not recognized officially, and so their first official match is given as in 1992. Prior to that, Ukraine was the main feeder nation to the strong USSR teams, uh, Ukraine's formation was too late for the 1994 World Cup qualifying. Uh, the qualifying had begun in 1991. So their first entry was to uh, Euro 1996, and they have participated consistently in both tournaments since. Um, Ukraine is always uh, Ukraine is a team always on the edge of qualifying. Uh, in terms of achievements, they've reached only one World Cup, despite coming close most of the time. Uh, they made the best of their successful qualification in 2006, reaching the quarterfinals of the World Cup there. Uh, they failed to qualify for the first four Euro Cup campaigns and qualified for their first in 2012 only by dint of hosting. Since then, they have earned qualification 
2020, making it three appearances in a row. 2020 was also the year they passed the group stage for the first time, a quarterfinal finish, uh, their best result in that competition also. All right, let's take a bit of a closer look at the World Cup in an overview. All right, so um, in World Cup qualification, uh, you, Ukraine reached the UEFA playoff five out of their seven campaigns uh, since the, their first in 1998 and have lost every time. <laughs> wow. The exceptions are a third-place finish in 2018, so when they fell short of the playoff, and 2006, where they finished atop their qualifying group to reach their only World Cup. There they passed the group stage, uh, and in the round of 16, beat Switzerland on penalties to reach the quarterfinals, so a really uh, impressive run. Yeah, in 2006, but otherwise didn't make it. Uh, let's take a look at the Euro Cup overview. Uh, in contrast to their usual playoff round finish in the World Cup action, as we saw, they have only been knocked out at that stage once in Euro Cup play. That was in 2000. Uh, but in the campaign before, as well as in the two after, they were knocked out before uh, reaching that level. In fact, two of the campaigns features fourth place finishes, uh, their worst results in either competition. However, from 2012, they have reached the tournament three times in a row, aided by co-hosting in 2012, as we saw, and by the tournament expanding in 2016. Uh, they didn't need that benefit in 2020, though, as they finished first in their group, ahead of Portugal to earn automatic qualification, and by earning their best result once there, beating Sweden in extra time in the round of 16 to reach the quarterfinal. Okay, now let's jump on into the uh, deep dive. Their history here is not so long. It begins in 1996. Do you want to take it away? Yeah, Ukraine's first campaign in 1996 was ghastly as they finished fourth behind a surprise Lithuania. Uh, the only good result was a home win over top of the table, Croatia. 2000 saw them finding their feet and going undefeated in their campaign. Uh, they tied uh, France twice but it was too many draws, um, disappointingly in the cases of Iceland at home and Armenia away, uh, which saw them finish still just a point behind France in second. Uh, besting Russia uh, and finishing a point ahead of them would have been satisfying though. Uh, nevertheless, it took them to a playoff where they were bested by Slovenia, uh, who were in a strong period, um, Slovenia reaching the Euro Cup and World Cup after that. Right. Okay, well, 2004 was, uh, in retrospect, a bit unlucky. They were paired with Spain, the strongest team in Europe, uh, strongest qualifying team, and uh, they faced uh, a Greece in the form of their career. For Spain's part, they failed to win uh, their only campaign and gave up their only home loss that they'd suffered since 1992. So a pretty uh, dramatic and historical group there. Um, Ukraine, despite going undefeated at home, were no match for either and finished a distant third. 2008 continued the poor run with another fourth place finish. A tie at home to France uh, completed a good home record where they otherwise only lost to Italy, but a poor road record saw them finishing behind third place Scotland in the 17 group. Yeah, I'm not sure this one fits into the revenge category, but let's throw it into the pile anyway. All right. Revenge. <laughs> okay, 2012, uh, hosting 
brought them uh, to their first Euro Cup. They uh, qualified automatically, of course, there. And then they managed to uh, earn passage to the Cup in 2016. Thanks, though, in large part to the Cup expanding. Their third place finish in qualifying would not normally have been an advancing spot, but it did earn them a playoff spot here. And they once again faced Slovenia, who they had met, as we saw, in 2000. That was their last playoff in Euro Cup action. And this time uh, they did better, besting uh, Slovenia and reaching the Cup there, their second Cup. Okay, now let's take a closer look at uh, 2020, because that was uh, recent. And we'll begin with their qualifying campaign, but also look at the finals there. Yeah, so 2020 was, was more deserving. Um, they had an excellent campaign uh, where they uh, bested Portugal and Serbia, uh, drawing in the away leg in each to finish first in the qualifying group. Um, they won all their games also against bottom dwellers Luxembourg and Lithuania. Uh, despite being uh, the top seed of their group uh, at the tournament, they lost to the Netherlands and Austria, uh, but beat North Macedonia uh, to finish third in the group stage for the advancing position. Uh, they right. beat, uh, they beat... Sorry, just want to bring up the revenge theme again. North Macedonia will be looking for some payback here. It was, and that was actually a, a crucial game because um, the winner of that game was the one that went through. Oh, it's true, yeah. Even though it was the, the second match. Mm -hmm. um, but anyways, they did advance out of the group stage uh, in third place out of four, but then they beat Sweden an extra time in the knockout round um, in the round of 16. However, they were no match for England uh, in the quarterfinals, uh, losing heavily 4 nothing. 4 nothing thrashing, which uh, Ukraine might seek revenge for. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to the uh, next competition, World Cup 2022, and uh, let's see how they did there. Um, so this was actually a bit of an odd campaign. Ukraine tied all their games, uh, including both with group winner France, uh, except for wins in Finland and Bosnia-Herzegovina. Um, so they went actually undefeated. However, it only meant uh, second place in the qualifying group, uh, a point ahead of Finland and six behind France. Yeah, two draws with Kazakhstan there wasn't that good. Yeah, and drawing all four of their home games. Right. Um, Nevertheless, it took uh, Ukraine to the playoffs, um, where after a delay caused by Russia's invasion, uh, they won in Scotland in a semi-final, um, but then lost on an own goal, the only goal of the game in Wales. Um, probably the whole world was cheering for Ukraine in that game, except for, for Welsh fans, uh, us included. Yeah, well, we can't help it. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it was nevertheless, they fell at the final hurdle, but didn't make it to the World Cup. That's right. Okay, well, let's take a look at the 2023, 2022-23 uh, uh, UEFA Nations League. Uh, so Ukraine were in League B. Um, they won their first two games away in Ireland and home to Armenia. Um, but then only won one of their next four. Um, and they were, uh, sorry, that, that game they won was a, a 5 nothing uh, win in Armenia. Um, but they ended up tying and losing to Scotland, uh, who won the group. So Ukraine were second of four and will remain in League B uh, for the next edition of the Nations League. Yeah, yeah, a bit all over the place there. I wonder if uh, if the domestic turmoil had an effect there. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we'll finish by talking a bit about uh, Ukrainians players. So uh, they may be facing some big name retirements here. Uh, 38-year-old goalkeeper Andriy Piatov and 33-year-old uh, Andrei Yarmolenko, um, who is, uh, anyway, they have 215 caps between them. Uh, they didn't play in the March games, the openers of this tournament or of this qualification round, and uh, their status is unclear. Uh, 33-year-old Devin Konyaplenko remains. Most of their biggest club affiliations are young players. So Arsenal's uh, Alexander Zinchenko seems almost like a veteran on the team now, but he's only 26 years old. And uh, Everton's uh, Vitaly Mayalenko and Chelsea's uh, Mikhailo Mudrik are 23 and 22 respectively. Uh, goalkeeper Andre Lunen with uh, Real Madrid is uh, 24 years old. So about a third of the players are with respectable European clubs outside of the Ukraine, but the majority play at home, uh, mostly for their big clubs, Shakhtar Donetsk, Dynamo Kiev and Dnipro. Okay, uh, any comments on that or should we move on? Yeah, let's move on to our fourth team, uh, North Macedonia. Yes, North Macedonia. So we'll start with their uh, participations and achievements. Uh, they were part of Yugoslavia before the breakup in 1992, and their roughly 2 million people made up about 9% of the pre-1992 Yugoslavia. Uh, they broke away while Serbia and other regions continued for a time as part as Yugoslavia FR. They first participated as an uh, independent nation in Euro 1996 qualification and then in World Cup 1998 uh, qualification, never missing a tournament since. In 2019, they settled a long-standing dispute with Greece over their name and uh, they became North Macedonia. In terms of achievement, they have never come close to qualifying until recently, always finishing in the bottom half of the group, uh, second or third last. Uh, this dropped to a last place finish in 2014 uh, World Cup and 2016 uh, Euro Cup qualifications. However, a dramatic improvement began from the middle of their 2018 World Cup campaign and saw them finish in the top half of the table in 2020 and 2022. In both cases, they continued to a playoff structure and in 2020, they won both rounds, one of them over... Uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm getting confused again. <laughs> in 2020, they won both rounds of that playoff to qualify for the Euro Cup, uh, their first tournament. Okay, let's jump to uh, World Cup. So North Macedonia, uh, then known simply as Macedonia, had their first World Cup campaign in 1998. They performed well there, finishing a competitive fourth of six. Campaigns became weaker after that, culminating in a bottom-of-the-table finish in their six-team group in 2014. The 2018 campaign started uh, poorly but took a turn halfway through. It did not result in a better finish that year, but the form continued into 2022, where they finished second in the table, uh, taking them to a playoff structure where they passed the first round, knocking out Italy, uh, but falling in the second. Of course, that's where they beat Italy, and uh, we've talked about revenge for that case. 
Uh, let's take an overview of the world of the Euro Cup. So the pattern in Euro Cup roughly parallels that of their World Cup record. The difference is that they didn't grow weaker after their first campaign in 1996, but were more steadily a middle finisher, uh, though always in the bottom half of the table. They did grow weaker from 2012, though, and finished uh, bottom of the table for the first time in 2016. The subsequent improvement was reflected in their third place finish in Euro 2020 qualifying, their first finish in the top half of the table there. It was not that, however, that earned them a place in the playoff structure. It was their 2018-19 UEFA Nations League result. Their performance in League D offered something of a backdoor or perhaps a golden ticket into the Euro Cup, and they took advantage, winning a playoff amongst weak teams to uh, reach their first tournament. So we'll take a closer look at that uh, because it was recent. And now let's uh, jump into our deep dive, their Euro Cup qualifying history. So Macedonia began their first ever campaign in 1996 with a home draw against Denmark. Their third game was a tie in Belgium, and they beat Cyprus after that. It looked like they were challenged for a top half finish, but in the second half of the campaign, they earned only draws in Armenia and Cyprus. They finished in fourth ahead of those two, uh, but well below third place to establish a long pattern of finishing in the bottom half. Though they also established a pattern of being a spoiler team, taking points in almost every campaign from bigger teams, uh, sometimes ruining their campaigns. Okay. Uh, let's take a look at 2000. And um, home draws with Croatia uh, and Ireland were their best results in 2000. But otherwise, they only beat Malta twice and uh, finished ahead of them, fourth or fifth there. Uh, the, home, the home draw with Ireland in the last game uh, spoiled Ireland's campaign. Uh, ties in England and Slovakia made 2004 similar campaign. They only bested weak Liechtenstein there to finish fourth ahead of them. They earned three draws on the row, but only the one win uh, over Liechtenstein, uh, as I mentioned. Right. Okay, well, 2008 saw them tie England away again, and it ultimately cost England a spot in the cup. Revenge! <laughs> a home win over group winner Croatia uh, was a glorious result. Uh, with two weak teams in the group, they finished fifth of seventh. Uh, well behind fourth place Israel. The best result in 2012 was a home draw in the last game against Slovakia. They were bested by a surprising Armenia, who finished third, while they finished fifth of six, ahead only of Andorra. Uh, 2016 was weaker still with no spoiler results. A home win over Luxembourg and a tie in Belarus were their only points, and they finished behind both, last in the 16 group. That's right. And we'll take a closer look at uh, 2020. But I want to point out again that there was a real big turnaround uh, in their 2018 World Cup campaign where they were poor in the first half, but very strong in the second half. And then they kind of brought that form uh, into this cup. Let's take a look. Yeah, so um, they came third in the qualifying uh, round, which was a group stage, losing both to Poland and Austria, who finished um, ahead of them, but besting Slovenia and Israel, uh, who finished behind North Macedonia. Uh, North Macedonia also won both over Latvia, uh, who came last. 
Um, so 14 points uh, from 10 games was their record. Um, but their Nations League performance in the lowest group uh, earned them a place in the playoffs. Um, that was a 14 playoff. Uh, they beat Kosovo at home in the semifinal and then beat Georgia away in the final um, on a single goal to earn the golden ticket to the cup. Uh, yeah. reaching, reaching the cup proved the limit uh, of their achievement uh, because once there, they lost all three games um, to Austria, Netherlands, and Ukraine uh, to finish last in the group stage. Yeah, and as you said, that uh, second game lost to Ukraine, I don't know... Um... Uh, yeah, they would have gone through in third, I suppose, if uh, if they had won that game. Yeah, uh, they were a bit out of their depth, but they gave some spirited performances uh, in North Macedonia. Yeah, um, and it may give them a, a bit of confidence coming into this round that they can uh, uh, take on teams like that. Yeah. Did I interrupt you uh, there? Nope, we can uh, move on. Okay, let us take a look at their World Cup 2022 campaign. Uh, so North Macedonia came in as a fourth seed, um, but finished second uh, in the 16 group stage with a glorious and shocking win at the home of group winners Germany. Wow. Uh, they were bested by second seed Romania, but themselves bested Iceland and Armenia and suffered only two losses in the campaign. Uh, it brought them to the regional playoff where they knocked out Italy on an injury time winning goal, uh, but they fell at the last step to Portugal. All right, some serious revenge coming for that. Uh, okay, well, let's take a look at their 2022-23 UEFA Nations League to see how they did there. So North Macedonia were in League C. Um, they started with um, an away draw with Bulgaria um, and then a home win, or sorry, and then a win on the road in Gibraltar. Um, but after that, they only beat Gibraltar at home uh, losing the three other games. That's two games to Georgia and then also at home to Bulgaria. Uh, so they finished third uh, third of four, um, well ahead of Gibraltar, um, but also well behind group winners Georgia and will remain in League C uh, for the next edition. Yeah, League C. Uh, okay, well, let's finish with a look at the players here. And uh, more than half of the players are with clubs outside of North Macedonia, although uh, they do tend to be lesser clubs. Uh, the players with the biggest affiliations are uh, Alioski, uh, Ezgan Alioski with Fenerbahce. He was with uh, Leeds, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Enes Bardi with Trabzonspor in Turkey. Actually, both of those are Turkish clubs. And they also have uh, Elijah Nestorovsky, uh, with Udinese in Italy and uh, Elif Elmas with Napoli, uh, also an Italian club. So um, Alioski and Nestorovsky there are both in their 30s and the team is aging with a number of key players in their 30s. Uh, Napoli's Elif Elmas though is 23 years old and he's, only, uh, he's one of only three players of that age with 10 caps or more. So there seems to be a good pool of young players available uh, although few of them have worked their way into the team to any degree. Yeah, um, Elmas, of course, with a uh, Napoli team that's totally dominant in Serie A this season. Mm. Um, he's played a lot for them, so having a really good campaign. Oh, all right. Uh, cool. All right, let's move on to our last team, which is uh, Malta. 
And uh, let's begin with an overview of their participation and achievements. So uh, Malta has an impressively long history as far as smaller European countries go. They first entered the Euro Cup qualification in 1964, and with the exception of 1986, have entered every edition since. They joined World Cup action a little later in 1974, uh, and have participated consistently since then. In terms of achievement, though, they have little to hang their hat on. Uh, the infusion of similarly weak teams in the 1990s did afford them uh, one finish above last place in 1994, but they have since always finished last in their campaigns, even when there's been another weak team in the group. So success is only measured at the game level with the smattering of points that they earn. Uh, their goals record, surprisingly, has usually been respectable since 1988. Uh, only in a couple of campaigns have they averaged higher than uh, three goals against per game. Usually it's around uh, 2.5, but a good campaign by this measure was 2016, where they averaged just 1.6 goals against per game. Okay, let's take a look at their World Cup uh, overview. So from their first World Cup entry in 1974, they lost all games until their third entry in 1986, where they earned a goalless draw with Czechoslovakia. Since then, they have earned at least a draw in every campaign except one. Uh, 1994 was the best result, uh, besting Estonia to mark the only campaign where they did not finish bottom. That was followed by their only campaign uh, losing all games in 1998. 2022 qualifying saw them earning five points but although they bested Cyprus there, they finished tied on point, but behind them on goal difference for another last place finish. All right. Well, European Cup play is similar, uh, except that they have taken bigger uh, results here. A draw with uh, West Germany in 1980 was probably their biggest result. Uh, 2000 was the only time they lost all games, and 2008 saw them earn five points, including a win over Hungary. Uh, recently, finishing behind Azerbaijan in 2016, 2016 and Faroe Islands in 2020 uh, emphasized their relative weakness. Okay, let's take a deep dive into their European qualifying history, which uh, um, begins uh, pretty close to the beginning. Yeah, so Malta did not enter the first Euro Cup in 1960, but they did participate in 1964. They were knocked out quickly in the first round by Denmark, losing 6-1 in their first ever qualifying game uh, and then 3-1 in the away leg. They did not enter in 1968, but participated consistently from 1972. Uh, yeah, there was little chance of uh, finishing out of last place. What few weak teams existed at that time were put into other groups, leaving Malta uh, to contend with stronger teams only at the game level. So their success can be measured only in as far as they earned upsets over the bigger teams, uh, which they did in virtually every campaign. So 1972, for example, saw them tie third place Greece in the opening game. And they victimized Greece again in uh, 1976, beating them at home to damage a more competitive campaign uh, where Greece finished second. 1980 was their biggest scalp, a home draw with a powerful West Germany who would go on to win the cup. 1984 opened with a home win over Iceland, um, and who finished only a point ahead of them. 
Uh, but as we will see, Malta often, uh, uh, Malta often eschewed the few opportunities they were given to be competitive uh, at the campaign level. They lost one nothing to Iceland in the away leg and lost only one nothing at home to Ireland, but both games gave them an opportunity to make up uh, that point. Uh, that campaign ended suspiciously. Um, Spain needed to win the last game by an 11-point, 11 11-goal 11 margin to finish first ahead of Netherlands. Malta held it to 3-1 by halftime, but then allowed nine goals in the second half, giving Spain exactly what they needed. Uh, this suspicion of foul play led to the final games of qualification rounds now being played simultaneously. Right. Well, two draws in the 1988 campaign saw them tying Portugal away and Switzerland at home. Portugal was not a strong team at the time, and Malta lost only uh, one nothing in the reverse fixture. In the reverse fixture, there, uh, home draws with Finland and Greece were the only points in 1992, and in 1996, and uh, sorry, 1996 was worse still with a single draw at home to the Czech Republic, although Czech Republic were the group winners there. 2000 uh, saw them losing all games, having done so also in 1998 World Cup qualification, the only time they've suffered that in their history of group campaigns. A single draw in the 2004 campaign salvaged them from the same fate, uh, this time against Israel in the away leg. 2008 was a good campaign, um, with their first Euro qualifying win since 1984. This was over Hungary, and they tied the following game in Moldova. Uh, further home draws with uh, Turkey earned them five, or sorry, a further home draw with Turkey earned them five points, uh, but they still finished last, 12 points behind um, next second to last Hungary uh, in the 17 group. Yeah, actually seven points behind, uh, I think I made a mistake there. Uh, 2012 fell back though. A single draw in Georgia was uh, the only point there, and they lost twice uh, to Latvia. A chance to challenge a weak team uh, was also available in 2016, but it was also spurned when they were bested by Azerbaijan. A tie in Bulgaria was their only other point in 2016. Uh, and now let's move on to their most recent Euro Cup campaign in 2020. So Malta actually won the campaign opener at home to Faroe Islands, but those were their only points and they ultimately finished behind them, uh, tied on points but with the inferior away goals record in their head-to-head -head meetings. So they finished last in the qualifying group uh, with a goals record of three scored and 27 against. Uh, Spain, Sweden, Norway and Romania were the other teams in the group. Yeah, so another chance there to uh to finish outside the bottom, but they, they missed it. Uh, let's see if they did any better in 2022 World Cup qualifying. So this is one of their best results in terms of points and uh, one of their only campaigns where they have challenged the team above them. They bested Cyprus, but still finished behind them, uh, last in the qualifying group because they otherwise only managed to draw in Slovenia while Cyprus had a few of their typical spoiler results. Right, I think that was uh, Slovakia there. Oh, that's right. Yeah, not a bad campaign. Five points there. Uh, let's finish by seeing how they did in their latest UEFA Nations League campaign in 2022 and 23. That was uh, League D. Yeah, the bottom tier where they're actually playing, again, teams um, of similar stature. 
Um, and uh, Malta were grouped with San Marino and Estonia, and they beat San Marino twice, but lost to Estonia twice. Um, and they finished right in the middle of the three-team group. So they'll remain in League D uh, for the next edition. All right. Uh, well, let's close with a look at their players. They do have a handful of players uh, with clubs outside of Malta. The biggest is uh, Teddy Chuma, who plays with Belgian uh, Union Saint-Gilois, the club that won the Belgian League on the year of their promotion. Uh, Forenzi in Portugal, Notts County in England, and St. Johnson in Scotland are their next biggest uh, club affiliations. And the current squad does have age on its side, uh, but a few are showing particular promise as most remain, uh, sorry, but only, uh, but few are showing particular promise as most of them remain playing in Malta. So no goal scorer has emerged. Their top scorer, uh, uh, Jurgen de Gabriel, who plays in Malta has six goals, and then no one else has more than three. Uh, I don't know, Connor, if you remember Michael Misford. Yeah, he played with Coventry City in the English Championship. All right. Yeah, he was their top scorer. He got uh, 42 goals in 143 games, but he retired in 2020 at the age of 40. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of the, the long team-by-team team overview, and we're going to move on to uh, part three. That's a comparison of the teams, and it begins with uh, a look at the rankings. That's right. So pot order was determined um, by the results of the last Nations League, so they don't necessarily correspond with uh, world or ELO rankings. Um, so Italy are the pot one team. Uh, they were fourth in Europe at the time of the draw, um, and are currently eighth in the world uh, in both FIFA and ELO rankings, um, though they actually dropped into the teens um, for much of the uh, kind of late 20 teens due to their failures to reach the World Cups. Yeah. Yeah. And as you say, like England is the pot two team here, and uh, not because of their FIFA or ELO rankings, but because of their, I guess, relegation from, uh, from League A there in the Nations League. That's right, yeah, that poor Nations League performance put them in pot two. Um, they are fifth in the world um, in FIFA and eighth in ELO. Um, so similar, but just ahead of Italy um, in the FIFA rankings. Um, but unlike Italy, England have actually been in the top five in FIFA um, for several years now, going back to December 2018. Yeah, right. Okay, well, uh, Ukraine is the third team, uh, the pot three team and uh 22nd in europe uh how are they in the other rankings very similar um actually probably higher because of um the international nature of the ranking systems but 26th in the world currently in fifa and 20th in elo um they've actually been consistently higher in kind of the more reliable elo rankings um but they've kind of ranged in the 20s or just above 20th in both systems um, so they are seen as, as you know, quite a strong team uh, worldwide, despite their pot three ranking. Yeah, and we'll have to see what uh, uh, what kind of impact the uh, war has uh, on their performance here. Uh, fourth team is Port, uh, North Macedonia in pot four. Yeah, they're currently 65th in FIFA and 76th in ELO. Um, we, you mentioned kind of their good form. Um, in the 2018 World Cup campaign and onwards, and that's being reflected in their rankings. Previously, they were 
below 100 or around 100 in the world rankings, dropping to 162nd um, in December 2016. Um, but they've been in the 60s uh, for basically the last five years, corresponding with those good um, competitive World Cup and Euro campaigns. Yeah, that's a good move up. Uh, yeah, in the ELO rankings, it was just uh, dipping below 100. But in uh, in the crazy FIFA rankings, uh, jumped all the way down to 162, which was probably never true. Mm -hmm. uh, finally, we have Malta. Yeah, so Malta, um, they're the pot five team. They were 52nd in Europe at the time of the draw, which puts them kind of near the bottom of UEFA teams. Uh, they're currently 167th in FIFA and 145th uh, in the ELO rankings. Um, and those really have been consistent for quite some time, kind of ranging between 160 to 180 in, in FIFA and closer to the 160 mark or 150, so a little bit higher uh, in the ELO rankings. Yeah, yeah. Well, they do get the odd results, so they have uh, moved up slightly. But we'll talk about whether we expect to see them get any results here. Uh, let's go through the head-to-head, -head, and we've kind of organized them into uh, uh, the teams that have the winning record. So we begin with uh, Italy. Maybe, Connor, if you give the record, and I'll add any uh, details if necessary. Yeah, Italy actually has a, a relatively dominant record over England. They've met eight times. Um, Italy have won six of those, and they've just tied and lost one each. Yeah, and they've met actually in the in the World Cup and in the latter stages of the World Cup several times in uh, in 1990 and or, or I should say in cups because it was a uh, Euro Cup in 2012 and of course the 2020 Euro Cup final uh, most recently where Italy won on penalties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the last three times they met uh, in tournament finals, Italy have won all three. Yeah. Yeah, so England really get the better of England. Uh, was, yeah. Uh, Italy versus Ukraine. Uh, Italy's even more dominant. They've met five times and Italy have won all five. That's right. And 2008 was the last time they met, so not a strong element of revenge between them. Yeah. Uh, Italy and North Macedonia um, have an even record. One win, one draw, and one loss each. Right, well, they met in the 2018 uh, World Cup qualifying round and uh, Italy bested them there, but um, North Macedonia did tie at home. And then, of course, that uh, playoff round uh, shock win, which actually took place in Italy, uh, North Macedonia knocking England out of the, or sorry, knocking Italy out of the World Cup, really fits in with the revenge theme. Absolutely. Yeah, um, that's an important point to mention. Now, that game was played in Italy as well. Mm hmm. Uh, moving on, Italy versus Malta. No surprise that Italy's won all eight of the uh, games in which the two teams have met. Yeah, most recent meeting in the 2016 Euro Cup qualifying there, uh, Italy winning both again. All right, let's take a look at uh, England's record. So Italy have better records over all four teams here, and uh, England have better records over three teams. Yeah, so... England um, have played Ukraine six times, and England's record is three wins, two draws, and a loss. Yeah, a lot of time, a lot of those games have been fairly recent, actually, uh, from 2010 onwards. Most recently in the 2020 Euro Cup quarterfinal, where England uh, basically smashed Ukraine, uh, winning four nothing. Yeah, England uh, and North Macedonia—they've met four times. It's two wins and two draws. 
um, the overall record in England's favour. That's right. So England have never beaten uh, North Macedonia uh, in North Ma Macedonia. Uh, two ties in both of their meetings there. Right. And then England and Malta, they've met four times and England have won all four times. Yeah, 1972 and then 2018 with their uh, two meetings uh, home and away. Okay, and then uh, Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine uh, it does have uh, better records than the teams below them. Yeah, that's three wins from three over North Macedonia. Yeah, 2020. Uh, all of those are very recent, actually. 2016 Euro qualifying and, uh, and uh, 2020 Euro Cup group stage, as we saw. Uh, England, oh sorry, Ukraine beating North Macedonia to earn their passage. And then uh, Ukraine and Malta, they've actually never met, so uh, no wins uh, for either team so far. Yeah, my mistake. I, uh, I said Ukraine had a winning record, but they've never met. And uh, finally, North Macedonia does have a better record than Malta. Yeah, they've played twice and both games have gone in North Macedonia's favour. Right, but that was a long time ago in the 2000 Euro qualifying uh, round, so no, not much of a grudge between them. All right, let's move on to uh, uh, pots and odds. Uh, we wanted to take a look at uh, where they come from, where the teams come from in each pot, because sometimes it can be a bit deceptive if one team is at the bottom of, say, pot three, and another team is at the top of pot four. Uh, there's not much between them. So tell us where they're from in the pots, Connor. Yeah, so Italy were fourth ranked overall. Um, they won their Nations League A um, group, and um, which was used for the rankings. So, um, yeah, Italy were fourth overall. England uh, were six, 15th overall. Um, and so although they're kind of close to the middle of pot two, you could argue as Euro 2020 finalists that they are artificially low because of their... Uh, Nations League A relegation. Yeah, it's not really a measure of their strength because they're definitely stronger than Austria and Czech Republic who are ahead of them, but uh, a reflection of their performance in the UEFA League. A yeah. bit divorced from their strength, their overall strength, though. That's right. And then Ukraine were the top-ranked team in Pot 3, um, so that could may, mean they're a little bit more dangerous than uh, you know some of the other potential opponents. Um, on the other hand, North Macedonia and Malta were both bottoms of their pots, pots four and pots five, respectively. Right, so that creates a huge gap between uh, Ukraine at the top of pot three and North Macedonia at the bottom of pot four. And I think that'll probably be reflected in the odds that we're going to look at next. Yeah, so the odds to the win the group, um, Italy's at 23% um, and England's at 80 so England are quite a bit favored to uh, to win the group. Um, we'll talk about that. Um, Ukraine is just 5.9% to win the group. North Macedonia, 1.6%, and Malta, 0.1%. All right, Connor, what do you make of those uh, odds? I certainly see Italy and England as being uh, closer than the odds suggest. I, I think it's, it's possibly a bit of a toss-up and may come down to... Uh, either results between them or else who possibly is spoiled by a team uh, from a lower pot. Um, I, I see first place belonging to one of those two teams um, and really top two are automatic, so it may not matter that much. But um, I see Italy and England being being pretty competitive with each other. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I, I got to say, though, I'm really shocked by uh, the 80% odds for England and 23 for Italy because I see them as uh, fairly close. Uh, mm-hmm. We saw the Italy had the better head-to-head record uh, over England. I'd say England's a bit more consistent in qualifying, but Italy's pretty strong in qualifying. I mean, they only went to a playoff in uh, in 2020 because they were grouped with Spain, which is probably the strongest qualifying team. So uh, a bit unlucky as far as that went. Yeah. How do you see um, the challenges from below, from Ukraine and North Macedonia? Yeah, well, uh, my original hook uh, for, for this episode was uh, the the kind of the threat from below because I think, uh, I guess Italy and England could be decided on their head-to-head matches, but I kind of suspect it'll be decided on how consistent they are with the teams below. Um, I think uh, uh, any one of the teams, with the possible exception of Malta, uh, could take points off them, but Malta's a bit of a danger because they do they do earn a draw uh, in in almost every campaign. So they're going to probably get it off someone here, though more likely Ukraine or North Macedonia. Yeah, yeah, I think um, Ukraine, um, you know, perhaps perhaps galvanized by the war and what's going on is is what is one way to look at it. I mean, they they had a pretty strong World Cup twenty twenty two campaign. Um, and we're competitive in their Nations League group. So, um, I mean, it's it's a bit unlucky for them to be grouped with the two finalists from the last Euro, um, because I think in a lot of groups, they would have a shot at fighting for that, at least one of the two automatic qualifying spots. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, in this group, I, I see them as as capable of picking up, um, picking up results against the top, the top two, but perhaps not necessarily enough to see them overtake England or Italy. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, you know, um, uh, the the effect of the war could go either way. On the one hand, it could disrupt them and, and see them coming in a lot weaker here. Uh, but we saw when we did the AFC uh, Asian World Cup qualification that Syria uh, was, was kind of galvanized by the political situation there. And they weren't even playing at home. They were playing most of their games in UAE. But, you know, I wonder if the if the uh, idea of kind of giving good news to the people is, is almost their contribution to the war. And I think it would be important uh, for the Ukrainian people to, wow, to see them uh, challenging these teams at the top would be great. Yeah. I agree they're a little un- unlucky. They're at the top of pot three. And uh, other pot two teams besides England are, you know, Wales, Finland, Scotland. I think they would have a pretty good chance against those teams. But uh, getting England as the pot two team here, uh, pretty unlucky for the Ukraine. Yeah. And I do think North Macedonia are an intriguing team. I mean, they they won in Germany, um, you know, recently enough. Um, They won in Italy to knock them out of the World Cup. So their shows are capable of beating teams not just at home, but picking up points on the road as well. Um, you know, they're a little bit unpredictable that way. So, um, again, I think, again, you look at North Macedonia, they are in a tough, and it got a, a really tough draw as well. I don't think they'll they'll return um, to make their second consecutive Euro Cup um, appearance, but they're, they're an intriguing team to watch. They're kind of a 
probably a, a tr one of the trickier pot four teams to get because of their their very recent history of pulling surprises. I mean, yeah, wins over uh, Italy and Germany. If if that uh, if that's not enough to make England uh, uh, shudder a little bit, uh, I don't know what is. I agree with you. I don't see them doing much at the campaign level here, even uh, even in as far as challenging for third place against uh, Ukraine. But uh, I definitely see the potential of them almost kind of controlling the group uh, with with their spoiler results. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's sure to happen. We saw actually with the squad that uh, they have some promising players uh, uh, on the squad. So yeah, I including think the playing in Italy. Yeah, that's right. So I think for sure they're gonna uh, they're gonna steal a couple of points, and the teams they steal the points from may kind of dictate things at the top of the table. Yeah. Uh, Malta usually gets a draw uh, in every tournament. Do you think that's possible here? Realistically, probably only possible against North Macedonia. Um, I don't really see them having enough to get points off the other three teams, and even North Macedonia. You know, they're they're a strong you know strong team for kind of the the, the third tier European team. So. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I think one point at best, but I'm not convinced. Yeah, I think North Macedonia have been uh, a bit more consistent lately, but uh, they, they do have, uh, you know, they, they are an inconsistent team, so I think there is a chance of them uh, giving up points. But Malta taking points off any other team would be a shock, and, and it really isn't usually off the top teams like we saw with North Macedonia. It's usually off teams like Austria or Scotland or some something like that. So, yeah, yeah as you say, possibly against North Macedonia. Um, anyway, you know, this whole time I've been listening to you um, uh, humming and hawing, but I, I'm going to nail you down here. Tell me what it is. How is this group going to end? Even though Italy have the better recent record than England, I'm going to call England revenge. Um, <laughs> I think England will finish first in the group. Uh, they are very consistent qualifiers ahead of Italy. Um, I do see those as the top two. I see Ukraine third, North Macedonia fourth, Malta fifth. But I don't think the group is um, you know, strictly as predictable as the pot order makes it seem. Right. Uh, I agree, especially those uh, odds that are given to England. I, I do favour England myself because recently their qualifying campaigns have been so strong. Uh, but I only give them an edge over Italy and I wouldn't be surprised to see Italy finish first. But I think the rest of the group is, uh, is kind of set in cement there, uh, Ukraine, North Macedonia and Malta. All right, well, we're going to finish uh, the podcast by looking at the opening set of games, which took place in March. So I have been refraining from looking at the results uh, while Connor uh, does know the results. So uh, I'm going to kind of predict what happened, and then Connor's going to say what happened. Yeah, we start with a huge game, especially for the top two, Italy hosting England. What do you think? Yeah, so again, we saw those odds for uh, England winning the group. So I think that kind of presumes that they would uh, get something out of this game. Uh, but I think it's actually very even. And um, I might even favor uh, Italy at home here. So I'm going to say 1-1 favoring Italy. Um, in fact, England were victorious. Um, England were 2-1 winners on the road. So that's a, that's a good statement win 
especially being away from home. Great. Who got the goals for them? Uh, Rice and Kane, uh, first half goals. Retegui uh, pulled one back for Italy in the 56th minute, but um, despite despite that, they couldn't find an equalizer. All right. So a good start to the campaign there for England. And, uh, oh, we have North Macedonia and Malta. Well, I think this is pretty straightforward, a 2 nothing win for uh, North Macedonia. Um, it was 2-1 for North Macedonia. Um, your prediction was right up until the last five minutes when Malta scored a consolation. Yeah, well, good for Malta getting a goal in that game. And uh, that would put England on top of the group after the first round. But we have the second round uh, also to do England and Ukraine. Yeah, England at home. At home uh, to Ukraine. I, I believe they might have lost uh, or tied this game uh, in the past. Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, England and Ukraine. Again, I, I kind of think Ukraine uh, might be motivated. It'll be interesting to see how they do here. But England is so consistent at home that I think my prediction would have to be 2 nothing England. Um and that was a very predictable result. 2 nothing England uh, was the final. So um, comfortable win, Kane and Saka on the score sheet. All right. And uh, Malta and Italy, a pretty one-sided game here. I don't think this is where Malta's going to get their point. So I will say 2 nothing Italy could be more. You are correct again. 2 nothing Italy. Well done. Um, and and for, for perhaps people thinking that Italy might have gone on to to route Malta, you have mentioned that their goals against is actually quite respectable and, mm. and even getting better. So 2 nothing is kind of, even against a strong team like Italy, is is not an atypical result for Malta. Yeah, a pretty respectable result. When did in, uh, Italy get those goals? Uh, both goals were scored before halftime, 15 oh. and 27, and Malta shut the door after that. Right. Okay, well, we move on to the first set of games in June, which haven't been played, of course. So now you can make a prediction. Uh, what do you think for Malta hosting England? Um, I'm going to say 3 nothing England. Um, kind of a routine victory for England on the road. Yeah, i got to agree with you there. And uh, if Malta can keep it to 2 nothing, uh, that would be good. But I think uh, England will score a little bit more. And then a bit of an interesting game here with North Macedonia at home to Ukraine. Yeah, one of the most interesting uh, games in the group, potentially. Um, I'm pretty torn. I mean, I, I favor Ukraine to finish ahead of them in the group, but I do think North Macedonia are capable of a of a draw um, at home. So I'm going to say 1-1. One, one. Uh, that's what I'm going to say too, 1-1. One, one. Do you uh, favor any side or do you think that's uh, pretty flat? I, I do favor Ukraine, but um, but not strongly. You, North Macedonia could could win this game as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm one one. Not particularly favoring either side. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the media cast. So stay tuned. We have a little section on their upcoming present and past series. And uh, good talking to you about Group C, Connor. Uh, we'll see you again in Group D. See you next time. All right, we'll finish the podcast today with a look back on what we have covered until now, with a particular focus on which media casts are still relevant. Uh, following that, no wait, prior to that, 
we're going to look at what is upcoming over the rest of the year because I think that uh, may be of more interest. So uh, we'll put a graphic up with all of this information, both uh, past, current and present, on the YouTube version. And we'll also include it in the show notes. So um, let's take a look at upcoming series. So right now we're on series 14. And I'll give a bit more information about that too. But Series 15 will be a shorter version of Series 14, the uh, 2024 Euro Qualifying Series. So rather than the detailed history, uh, it'll have a short summary of each team in the group and a section on their recent form. So from there, uh, Part 3 of Series 14 uh, will be the same in both the short and long series. That's a comparison of teams through rankings, odds, and head-to-head -head records, as well as Kevin O'Connor's discussion and ending with a review of the first two sets of games that were played in March 2023. Uh, after this uh, Euro 2024 qualifying, 16 and 17, series 16 and 17, will be a preview of the 2023 Gold Cup uh, that tournament is set to start on June 24th, 2023. So we plan to put out uh, those podcasts or those media casts in late May or early June. So Series 16 will focus on the groups and teams and Series 17 will focus on the players of each team. Uh, qualification is actually taking place through the CONCACAF uh, Nations League currently. Uh, but we don't intend to do a series on qualification for the CONCACAF Gold Cup there. Uh, during the summer, we are planning a series on uh, CONMEBOL, that's a South American World Cup 2026 qualifying. That begins in September 2023. Uh, we also may get an early start on Asian Cup 2023, uh, although that's due to start uh, later in January 2024. Uh, in the fall, we're going to preview the early rounds of AFC World Cup 2026 qualifying. Uh, that'll take place in October and November, so we'll do it uh, prior to that. And this will actually give us a first look at some of the weaker teams in the Asian region, which we haven't covered uh, yet. Uh, also, we will preview the 2023 African Cup. Uh, it is called that, even though it's due to start in January 2024. So those are the upcoming series, and now let's take a look at our current series, so the current media cast. We call it a media cast because it's available with visuals on YouTube, and it's available as a podcast, uh, and you can find it on most podcast catchers or on our website at soccerfiles.captivate.fm. We'll also put up a graphic uh, uh, with that on it. Um, so the current series is Series 14, and that's a preview of the groups in Euro 2024 qualifying. And this gives us a chance to get to know teams that we, uh, don't often make it to the tournaments. So it features a deep dive into the Euro Cup qualifying histories of the team. And uh, we started actually after the first round of games in March 2023 to make it a bit more interesting. So, as uh, mentioned, we'll follow that with uh, Series 15. That's a shortened version of Euro 2024 qualifying because um, some members of the audience don't want such a deep dive. Now, let's look back at our previous media cast series. I think it's still relevant to various degrees. And uh, 
well, they tend to be relevant uh, in reverse order. So we'll actually kind of go uh, backwards in time here. So series 10 to 13 were all based on the 2022 World Cup. Series 10 was an eight part uh, group by group preview of the 14 groups in the tournament. It featured a deep dive into the World Cup finals history of each team. Series 11 was a 32 part uh, team by team uh, preview of players in World Cup 2022. So we didn't know at the time which players would be selected. So we went through uh, the candidates for each position and gave information about them. So that'll still be relevant for a lot of the teams. Uh, series 12 actually featured uh, shortened versions of each of series 10 and 11. So a shorter version on the teams and on the players. And then th series 13 was a 25 part review or uh, update of the team by team uh, players podcast. And it was published after the teams had selected their squads for the finals. So it went through the candidates that we had discussed in series 11 and introduced any new players that made it to the final squad. Unfortunately, we, unfortunately, we ran out of time before finishing all 32 teams. And I particularly regret that in the case of Ghana, because they brought a lot of new players in that were not considered in our Series 11 preview uh, of the Ghana players. Anyway, these World Cup podcasts, especially the player ones, are still relevant because the squads haven't changed that much. Uh, we, we will be doing future player podcasts before each major tournament. So uh, going back before that, Series 9 is actually probably the most relevant. It was a 12-part preview of the uh, African Cup 2023 qualifying groups. Um, it's still called African Cup 2023. It was originally set to take place that year or this year, I should say, but now it's been moved to January 2024. Um, so qualification games were also postponed and uh, the qualification is still unfinished. So uh, as I said, that makes it uh, still quite relevant. Series 7 and 8 were both based on the 2021 African Cup, which took place in January 2022. Uh, that's good for a look at some of the smaller African teams who made it to the expanded cup. Uh, series 7 was a six-part overview of the teams in African Cup 2021, uh, or in 2022. It's confusing. <laughs> it's still called African Cup 2021, but it took place in in January 2022. Uh, while the overviews were repeated in Series 9, this did feature, uh, feature a deep dive into the African Cup Finals history of the participant. Um, okay, uh, Series 8 was a 24-part team-by-team uh, preview of the players for the African Cup. Uh, for the African teams that made the 2022 World Cup, uh, the player podcasts will be updated, uh, but for the smaller teams, they won't be. So for many teams, it remains the uh, most relevant. And uh, it has soccer information that doesn't seem to exist uh, in other media accounts, as far as I know. Okay, uh, I'm moving back before that. Series 4 and 6 uh, focused on the CONCACAF regions, specifically the 18 final round of qualifying for the 2022 World Cup. Um, series 4 was an eight-part look at each team and their players in the final round. 
and it featured a deep dive into each team's World Cup qualification history. It also had a team-by-team -team preview of the players uh, in CONCACAF there. Uh, it really should have been a separate series number, to be honest. But nevertheless, the current players on the squad were examined uh, for each of the eight teams. Uh, series 6 was a mid-round update of that CONCACAF uh, 2022 World Cup qualifying campaign. So uh, Series 4 and 6 kind of go together. Okay, Series 5, that's in between the two CONCACAF series, um, was a preview of the Asian uh, World Cup qualifying final round. So this was just a two-part series on each of the 16 groups that made it to the final round of World Cup qualifying in the Asian region. So this remains relevant for all Asian teams that didn't reach the World Cup, but for Iran, Japan, South Korea, and Saudi Arabia, as uh, Series 10 uh, in their World Cup um, introduction is more current. Series 3 was a four-part preview for the groups for Gold Cup 2021 in the CONCACAF region and this remains relevant for some of the smaller teams in the tournament but again those who participated in the World Cup um, uh, were updated um, after that. Series 2 uh, was a two-part preview of the groups for Copa America 2021 in the South American region. So that again remains relevant for the smaller teams in the region, but the teams that made the World Cup were updated in Series 10. And our first series uh, was a preview of the 2020 Euro Cup played in 2021. Again, uh, teams that reached the 2022 World Cup were updated there. Um, and it did feature a deep dive into uh, Euro Cup Finals history. So, um, uh, again, for the smaller teams that uh, we haven't covered since, it remains relevant. Okay, I think that brings us to the end. So, uh, keep your eye out for the graphics on the show notes or uh, on the YouTube. And I hope to join us for the upcoming series. And... Uh, even go back and review some of the old series until we update them again. Bye-bye.